You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, a podcast hosted by me, Brett Fisher. I'm a DevOps online course creator, consultant, and a Docker captain. This podcast contains clips from my weekly YouTube live show, where I host a real-time Ask Me Anything style chat with guests and anyone who shows up on YouTube chat, many of whom are students of my Docker courses. You can find out more information, including show notes for this episode at brettfisher.com slash podcast. That's B-R-E-T-F-I-S-H-E-R dot com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. In this episode, I go through multiple ways to get your environment variables into a container and what shouldn't go in those environment variables. So enough of the announcements. I want to get to a topic that I've been working on and focused on for my Node.js course, and that is environment variables. So like raise your hand in chat and you can, by the way, in chat, you can do a colon wave colon and then it'll actually do a little wave hand. Uh, Wave your hand if you're dealing with environment variables in your apps and you'd like easier ways or you're not exactly sure if you're doing the best way for environment variables. Because I struggled with that for quite a while. I mean, not just in containers, but in all of distributed computing, making sure that all of my apps have at least some consistent way to do environment variables, getting information secrets, your, you know, server uh, URL, server DNS names, you know, you name it, all that stuff into your containers. <laughs> so, all right. So it looks like a few of you are interested in this topic. So this will be part of my Node.js course. And then I plan to take some of that and figure out how to release some of that information to the web. There's a couple of ways that you can go about it, but the basics of this come out of 12-factor apps. And if you haven't heard about 12-factor app, it's been around for a decade or more. And it's a concept about 12 factors that make a distributed app uh, more successful, essentially. And it's from uh, a company that learned early on in cloud and on the internet how they needed to manage all the dis- different points of their app and how they needed to, conf- you know, the different concerns they had around best practices, essentially, for writing distributed apps. And chances are, if you've got a database on one server and an API over here and a website over here and a worker job over there, well, that's a distributed app, right? There's lots of definitions for distributed app, but generally most of us today, if you're concerned about containers and you, that's part of your job and you're running them on servers, you're probably dealing with some distributed apps. So the interesting part about this is the config state. So if we go back to the 12factor.net page, I'll just throw this into chat. You can definitely skim through these later and then dive into each topic when you have to deal with that um, in your app. But the one that I wanted to talk about today was the config. And config was about storing the settings for your environment. So as you learn, if you take in my Docker Mastery course, you know that um, you never want your, your, your images or your apps themselves to have hard-coded settings that would be different for each environment. And the environment might mean your local machine, the dev, the dev test server, or the staging server, or the production server, or if, you, like a lot of us, you have multiple levels of production and multiple copies of production, like all these things, if there's anything that might change in there. And that might be memory settings in Java, that might be different passwords for an API, different keys, that might be storage keys for your cloud, that could be uh, anything from just the word of, <laughs> maybe there's in your app, there's a little flag that indicates which part of the system you're on, and you need that set in a simple little environment variable. All that stuff needs to be pulled out of your app 
And one of the rules of 12-factor is if strict separation of config from code, right? And we've all seen it. We've all probably done it. Putting, you know, a hard-coded value like localhost because your app is always running on the same server as your database, but that's before containers, then you might see a hard-coded app that says localhost in code, right? And that's unfortunate because that makes them that makes them very uh, rigid and hard to deal with because now you got to change code just to change the environment. So you don't want to do that. And one of the ideas of this is that 12-factor apps, and if you're following the 12-factor principles, you tend to have a very easy time making them into containers. Um, the 12-factor apps ideally are using everything through environment variables. The reason is, is because every OS and every system all supports that, right? If you have a Java app over here and you've got a Node.js app over there, and then you've got a database app back here that's storing your databases and you've got a memcache, you got all these things, every one of those has a different way of consuming its values. And it's, it's environment variables, right? The settings it needs, the config it needs to get started up, those are all different. And so that can be quite frustrating. So the only thing that's consistent between all of them is environment variables. Every shell supports it. Windows, Mac, Linux, they all support the same functionality. It might be slightly different the way you set an environment variable or clear it, but the key value is the same in all of them, right? So that's a core premise, and that's what you can see throughout the Docker and the container ecosystem as we've all adopted that as our standard. Now, what that means is, is like if you have, for example, an application that has a YAML file or an INI or some other sort of config file that the values need to get to, then you have to write a middle layer between the environment variables and then where they're going to go into the app, right? And I have an example of this in my not-so-complete PHP app. So over on GitHub in my PHP app, let me just show you a quick little example, and then we're going to get to your questions. So in here, what I have is a Docker file. And this Docker file does a lot of things, but the things I want to focus on is in this Laravel app, I have defaults that I set in the Docker file for environment variables. Now, the reason and the way that I'm setting them here is I prefer that the settings here default to working in a production environments up to you whether you say hey look these defaults are just going to be the average production values or they might you might say hey these are going to be the average developer values i prefer to it, them sort of defaulting a little bit to the production -y side of things that way um, i can override them with the compose file locally in my local machine no problem but it's up to you how you do that but you definitely want to create consistent ones here that make sense uh, from the get-go now you're going to overwrite a lot of these with other ways of setting it, either through the Docker run command or through deploying a Swarm or a Kubernetes deployment or in your Docker Compose YAML file, you will overwrite those, right? You can even overwrite these at the shell before you run those commands and it will suck those in. You can also, if you're using something like Docker Compose, you can set a .env file that in the PHP world is actually a, a standard that the, it will work and suck that in the YAML as well. So you can see that I have these here, but obviously some of these go into the app. They might go into different files. And let's back up a second. And I'll show you the next part. So those are embedded in the Docker file when the image is built, right? Now, when I want to look at my Docker Compose file, this is going to be used for local 
settings, right? When I'm doing development. And then I can look through here and you can see that I'm setting them all and maybe either setting them differently. I don't have to override them if I don't want to. But in this case, I'm choosing to set similar ones as an example. If I didn't need to override the ones in the image, I might just leave a lot of these alone. So there's that, right? So I'm setting them here. And now these will be used on container startup. So if I wanted to change them, I have to restart the container. I don't have to delete the container, right? I just have to restart it. So uh, you can use Docker Compose to do that. Then the next step, maybe on my local machine or even in production, I need those to be in specific files, right? So when my, my application starts up, those environment variables need to be somewhere else. They can't just live in environment variables for some apps, right? I would call these legacy apps or uh, traditional apps where they're not looking to environment variables by default. Now, if I was creating a new app, my goal would be that that looks to environment variables and maybe there's some config file or something that the app uses, but I'm overriding those with environment variables automatically. So the idea is my app is smart enough to say, hey, if there isn't an environment variable for this, I will use this default from this file. But if there's already an environment variable set, I will use that. Now, if you're familiar with Swarm and Kubernetes, you know that once we get into secrets and configs, we can start overwriting those entire files and providing passwords and secrets as individual files. So you also might want your app to be aware of those. But if your app, if you're not building your own custom app, um, or and you're using maybe stuff from Docker Hub or official open source, then what you need to look at is providing an entry point script. Now, the way that gets run is in your image, you set the entry point script you want it to run, and it will run that at startup. And what you can see here is a very simple example of me writing the environment variables and some other hard-coded data into a specific file on startup simply using a bash script, right? It doesn't have to be fancy. You can use other methods to do this as well, but it tends to be in the Docker official images, this tends to be the standard, right? So in this case, I'm taking environment variables that were set either in the Docker file or the compose file, which overwrote the image Docker file. It'll take those, pass them into here, and then this will echo that stuff out to a file inside my image. So this is for a legacy PHP app that expects a PHP FPM config file, and I need to set certain config values for FPM that are unique to each environment. In this case, these are actually this how I, how much I want the FPM system to grow and how much uh, how many subprocesses I want it to spawn, stuff like that, right? So that would be different on local development versus production. On production, I want it to be to grow a lot, right? So you would change that stuff here. And this is how you take those legacy apps and make them work. Now you can see this stuff in official images because that's how a lot of my stuff I, I learned from. So if I just went into the MySQL, you can see how they did it, which is exactly the same way. MySQL does, needs things in a config file, right? It needs settings that are dynamic at runtime. So if you looked in the Docker file for the official MySQL, and you scroll down, you'll see that yes, it does set some environment variables here, but it also has an entry point script that it copies in, it links it to a specific location, and then it adds it as the entry point. So the, the command here is CM, the CMD, you can't really see it. The CMD is for just MySQL, the entry point technically runs as before that, and then it passes execution to the CMD once that script is done running, 
Now, the way that I find that script in here is I just go up one level in GitHub and I click on this 8.0 and then I will see an environment variable. And now we have this shell script that's run every time MySQL starts, right? And in here, it does things like take environment variables and make them available for the app. In fact, it's smart enough that if you add a little underscore file on the end of an environment variable, it will take whatever is in that file and turn it into the environment variable, which is great for old applications that still need secrets and API keys and all that stuff. And if you're using Swarm secrets or Kubernetes secrets, um, those things are provided as, they can be provided as files. Now you can always use stuff like Vault and other fancy systems that aren't necessarily file-based, but in containers, we tend to use things as files. Uh, and in Linux in general, we tend to use things as files. So you're passing these things in as individual files. And then this little bit of shell script, which is open source, which means you can copy it and put it into your app. You can use that to copy the environment variables out of the text file and then stick each one of them in an environment variable named appropriately. And that way the app down later can have environment variables that are written in to config files for the app and everything's wonderful, right? And this would change on every start of the app because the environment variables might be different and then it would rewrite those and that's how that works. So hopefully you understand those steps. There's a lot more to it. There's actually, uh, let me get you real quick. There is a great little summary of dealing more with environment variables inside of Compose. It's an article I wrote. Yeah, this is over on the O'Reilly site. And I did a nice blog article for them. Well, I think it's nice, but you know, it's up to you to think if it's nice. And it talks about Docker Compose because a lot of what we're dealing with uh, for developers especially is the local config. How do I make my config specific for me? And one of those things is an override file, which I unfortunately don't have in, in this PHP example, I don't think. I don't have an override file. Um, but I should. That would be another thing to add into here. But in here, I will I put that in chat. Check that O'Reilly link out because I talk about three different things in Compose that will really help you up your game on managing configuration and reducing replicated parts, right? Templating means you can add specific parts in the top of your Compose file and then repeat without having to repeat those over and over again. So if you have lots of the same environment variables because you're doing microservices and you have maybe 20 microservices in a compose file, templating is for you. This is another thing that will really save you some time and you can have all the same parts that need to be repeated over and over again at the very top of your compose file. And then it's this is just a YAML thing, really, the templating. And then you can then insert that on each service at the appropriate time the way that I do here. There's other stuff in here as well. I encourage you to check that out, including how to use entry, um, environment variables inside of Compose files, not just for setting environment variables in the image, but also anything else you want to change in your config file at runtime. So check that stuff out. I hope you like it. Um, Michael. <laughs> What's up, Michael? Michael Irwin's on the call. Call. What am I? What is this, a conference call? Uh, another Docker captain. Um, I have often what should not go into environment variables. Ooh, are you baiting the question to see what people come up with? Um, what should not go into environment variables? Well, so the one of the reasons that uh, Docker and Kubernetes and other tools have created these ways for us to put secrets into files is so that they don't have to be in environment variables. So ideally, 
if you're creating your own apps, if you're managing your own apps, you're keeping those secrets out of environment variables, not because necessarily environment variables are inherently insecure. It's because we, with environment variables, we tend to leak them, right? They tend to, sh they tend to show up in logs because maybe we do an environment variable dump somewhere in our config or we do, if you've ever done like a PHP, um, what is it? There's a PHP test command, PHP EMV, or I can't remember what it's called anymore. Someone I'm sure on here is going to remember and tell me. But uh, where it'll dump your configuration to a web page, uh, there's stuff like that. And then if there's any secrets in any environment variables, they will be exposed there. And you may not intend that, especially if they leak into logs or into monitoring systems somehow. And you and if you have errors sometimes, you know, if you've ever had applications where if you set it to debug and it errors out, this is the true thing in .NET, where uh, it will then put a whole bunch of information on the screen and might leak environment variables on the screen because you forgot to lock it down into production mode. So there's all sorts of ways that environment variables can end up in the wrong hands. So a good a good first step on not putting stuff in the environment variables would be the secrets. And with Swarm and Kubernetes, you can keep those in files, and that way uh, you can teach your app how to just get them out of the files. The next step there is you if you can get them from your secrets and config files into the files that the app needs. So instead of storing an environment variable uh, that then eventually gets, like I showed the example, eventually gets written to a file, you could use configs and store the configs and secrets in files, and then they go directly to the files that maybe MySQL or your app need, right? And so they never technically get into environment variables. So at least not on the server itself, right? So that's a great topic. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. But th the thing is, is I could probably write an entire course on configs, secrets, and environment variables. Ba basically, all the things you need for an environment um, and how to deal with them, right? And I think we're, uh, even if you go to stuff like Vault, where you now you're talking about a secrets API that you're calling, it even gets more complicated. So definitely, there's lots to talk about there. And if anyone has good resources that they like, feel free to throw them in chat or throw them in the comments of the YouTube video for later. All right, good question, Michael. Good to see you. Steven says, would your Docker file not be in source control, though? I don't favor having production cred such as username, password, and source control. That's why those values are just defaults inside of your Docker file, Steven. Uh, you wouldn't put real secrets in that file, right? Like you can see the one in my example. Everything in the Docker file is just examples or samples. Now, if it's a simple number or something that just needs to be set, uh, and there's a default, a sort of reasonable default like these right here, these PHP FPM settings, then sure, put in the production ones that you prefer and then you can overwrite them as needed. That way you don't have to set them every single time manually. But yeah, if you go down here to the, any of these ones that are unique to a specific app or a specific environment, I'm just putting in dummy values here. I definitely don't recommend that inside of your code repo you put in your secrets and your URLs and environment, you know, d uh, domain name settings and stuff like that, right? I agree. But your Docker file itself would be in with your app. Yeah, that's where you want to keep it. All right, good question, good question. Yeah, I mean, uh, unless they're encrypted, right, you could do hashing on them if your app accepts that sort of thing, but um, I still wouldn't keep them in there. I, I don't, I keep environment settings elsewhere, but you do need defaults and what I tend to do in a Compose file with Docker Compose is I set defaults that work with a local developer out of the box. So Docker Compose Up would just work for them. 
Now it may mean they need to get a .env file from somewhere else, maybe a secure store where you have sort of developer secrets, you know, that sort of thing. But I really work hard to also not include that. Like ideally, if you're a local developer, you have everything you need locally. You don't require remote APIs and remote things, and you hopefully have sample data and things that can just be on your local machine, and you don't need a lot of secrets that you have to worry about. You just have dummy values for everything, and you can just get by locally. Obviously, not all of our apps can do that. That's sort of a utopia. So you're going to have to come up with a different way to store those secrets. And that's why there's so many of these ways to set environment variables at runtime so that you can keep them elsewhere and then just get them in uh, at the last second through the environment variables. All right. Good questions on environment variables. I'm glad we've got to this topic today. What is the simplest way to implement the env file? Um... I, well, I, I showed you the example of the MySQL app, right? And in here, they take the script and they there is no env file. What this is designed for is this is when you use secrets or config. So if you're using the native secrets and config features out of Docker Swarm or config maps and secrets in Kubernetes, you would maybe use this as a way to get those the information out of those files, specifically the secrets, really, and get them into environment variables if you need them, right? You may not need to get them out into environment variables, but if you did, then you could use this little bit of shell script to do that. Um, I hope that answers your question, but I wouldn't be, I, there's no need to create a specific file uh, exactly. If you're talking about how to do Swarm Secrets, because Swarm Secrets create files for you, then check out my Docker mastery course at the URL brettfisher.com slash docker, which is down in the description. Uh, I talk about that there as well in my Swarm course. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.